Network puts you at the track with ARCA and all the major NASCAR series. From Daytona to the final checkered flag, the Hot Pass Racing Network is your inside pass. All right, everyone. Welcome to Thursday night Rowdy Maglite Show. Back from the championship weekend in Phoenix with Daytona time. Uh, the weather, you couldn't have asked for better weather. Uh, it was just uh, nothing but blue skies, beautiful sunsets, and beautiful sunrises. So uh, we kind of got there, didn't get to see uh, the ARCA race, got there just as they were doing, as we were pulling up, we could see the smoke from the burnout. So uh, congratulations to ARCA, and what a great year they always have. And, uh, hey, uh what a weekend. Friday ends up with uh, 10.2 miles lost in the desert. Uh, all that in one day. Run through the airport in Atlanta. While we go through to get to the next story at the racetrack, folks, the next video, uh, it, it was a hustle to get there. We made it. Uh, made it because Daytona Time can cruise right through. He knows the ins and outs, so we were saved us a lot of time on getting our car. So it took at least budgets that they'd rented out over 3,000 cars. So it was a huge line. Probably would have took us over an hour just to have got to where we could ask for a car. So Tom was able to go down. His name was on the board and we picked the car up. We were off to uh, Phoenix Raceway. Beautiful aviance of the mountains all around us. Hey, uh, what about that? Ben Rhodes wins the championship in the truck series. Cole Cluster wins the uh, ARCA series. And Ryan Blaney, man, great win for Ryan Blaney. We got uh, what we're going to play today is Chastain and Victory Lane, uh, Pinsky. And I'm going to bring uh, Daytona Time in here. Man, I, I was just going through all the great things of Phoenix, Tom, and uh, what a weekend, man. Boy, it was great. There was a lot going on there, and we uh, we had our your cameras and microphones and most of it. Well, couldn't have uh, wrote down on paper for the weekend that we had. Beautiful sun, sun, sunshine, and Tom. You know, never been out west. First time I've ever been in ninety degree weather. Never sweat. <laughs> well, it's it's not the heat; it's the humidity. <laughs> Well, if I'd have been on the front porch at the house doing nothing, it would have been running off the tip of my nose at 90 and 95. But uh, what's the racing time? You know, we kind of got started a little late. We missed the first part of the uh, leg of that race, which was the ARCA Wet Series. But the truck show put on a whale of a show if you like the Crash Derby. Yeah, you know, I still think there must have been some kind of a record set for um... – uh, green white checkers there i haven't come across it yet but uh that was something like was there are 20 of them that that went on um after the uh after the regulation laps uh that's, that's what i i believe i've heard tom if i'm not mistaken i i just felt like there was no respect for the th- the four that was racing in the for the championship 
Well, you, you heard me say that um, uh, Kyle Bush came out and said they ought to be finding some people, and uh, apparently they did. I, I learned uh, today Corey Heim got a $12,000 penalty and uh, 25 points uh, ticked off. Well, uh, down to, it, it, it got crazy at the end. I mean, it really got crazy. But a lot of people like that, Tom. But Ben Rhodes brings it in, edges out. I, I, I hated it for Grant Enfinger because he was—he looked like he was so close to bringing it, bringing it to Alabama. I was—I was rooting for him, um, but you know he had a great year, and I'm uh, looking forward to knowing uh, who he's driving for next year, and uh, looking forward to seeing him at Daytona. Well, as you know, but a lot of people don't know it. You're out in the, out, out in the infield and about. He's gonna come out, and uh, if you got a champion generator, he's gonna give you a flag and some merch to go with all that stuff. Hey, I, I got my champion generator. I'm uh, I'm I'm ready to receive him. So uh, Christian Ekins won the race in the truck series. Uh, I think that was Christian's third win of the year. Uh, I know he won at Darlington. I think he had one more, but that uh, he brought the Napa pick them up truck to the front row and uh, won the race. Fast forward over to uh, to the Xfinity race, Tom. It's a completely different story. Uh, you know, pretty decent race. Nobody was trying to tear up all their equipment. Uh, it, it, it was a much smoother race comparatively. Yeah, you know, a time not a lot of people get to uh, see, but the, the drivers' introductions at at the final four, all four of the drivers, man, they just throwed out an extravaganza there, introducing the drivers. Yeah, they did. They had the the, the big stage there, and um, uh, boy, you got to get up close to them. So, uh, Toe Cluster wins the race. And also wins the championship, and looks like he secures him back a seat and, and with Stuart Haas up in the uh, cup again, Tom. In in a Ford, by the way, and uh, we we forgot to mention the truck champ was a Ford also. Absolutely. So you've got uh, trucks winning the Ford, uh, Ford winning in trucks, Ford winning in Xfinity, and uh, as, as far as the championship, I push on far farther faster, but. Ryan Blaney was in a Ford, so uh, yes, Ford was kind yes. of slacking. You know, you know, Tom, we talked about this first year, like, hey, man, it's a bad weekend for Ford when they started off, but looks like they got busy in the back row. Well, um, you know, uh, what I heard Kyle Petty say over the weekend, uh, they won everything uh, but Daytona. Hey, and the, the last one's like the championship. That's, that's what you uh, strive for. And work for all those all those points that you gather through the year. You know, Tom. A lot of people don't like those point system, but I think at the very end it keeps the driver on the on the wheel during the whole race. Absolutely, um, they've they've really made it exciting, especially in the uh, in the Cup Series. Um, man, it, you come right down to the last lap of the last race. So uh, the the Cup race and. and Tom, I know it was championship weekend, but the crowd was as big as I've ever seen on a Friday. 
Oh yeah, I mean that truck race that was that that could have been race day Sunday. There were so many people in there. And then fast forward to Saturday. Saturday, I, honestly, there was very little difference between Sunday and and Friday. There was that many people there on Friday, and I kept telling myself, "Well, it's championship weekend." They showed up and they showed out big time out in the campgrounds too. Everything. I mean, I kind of see why they have it out there. I'd like to see East Coast, West Coast swap. Um, the the track estimated there were greater than 10,000 campers out there. And I believe it. Yes. I I, I believe it. And it, it's, uh, there again, all the campers and the backdrops of all the lights and the ambiance, it was uh, nothing but a beautiful skyline around uh, Phoenix. But... Tom, I think one of the biggest, uh, down towards the cup was uh, Ross Chastain racing for the win, and I, I blame you, it's kind of felt like he should have laid over and let him win, but I don't think Chevrolet going to lay down that easy for a Ford. <laughs> well, you know, I went back and uh, checked some of the radio communications on that, and um, on uh, on this, in stage three, um, Blaney's crew was urging him to go up and take and take the lead from him. And uh, it wasn't till uh, till he started slipping and sliding uh, on his on what they thought was his last set of tires did they tell him to back off. Well, you know, you, it, I could have seen some complaining if he hadn't have, if he'd have been in tenth place. But the guy's racing for a win, and, and wins is what brings sponsors to the table. Oh, absolutely, and um, you know Ross put that thing out in front, and uh, he was he was making his back end as wide as Ryan Newman. He wasn't letting anybody buy him. Uh, Ross has got a lot of things going for next year, uh, also. Uh, Tom, with it, some foundations and bringing farmers to the tracks they announced this year. Uh, I'm going to bring. We're going to listen to Ross. In the deadline room here, uh, it's just it's a 19 minute one, but it, it's him in the deadline room talking about his win with his slice of his busted watermelon in his hand. Also, this is Ross. If you have a question okay. for Ross, raise your hand. We'll get you a mic. We'll start uh, up front here with Jenna. Jenna Fryer, AP. Congrats, Ross. Kind of a uh, weird question. Um, you raised Blaney. Totally hard. I get it. You're racing for the win. Like, what's your mindset there? It, it, and and does any of it play into be, beyond? I want to win this race. I'm a Chevy guy. He's a Ford racing Chevys. Absolutely. Yeah. It was in every thought, every corner, every throttle application, every brake input, every downshift, upshift, all parts of the lap. I was not going to crash him. I was not going to use my front bumper, side fenders, anything. Dirty air, different story. Yeah, I'm going to, and I'm going to keep the lead because that's everything. So um, before the second to last run, I thought we had them covered. And then, um, you know, coming to the end of stage two, the 17 drove by me. I couldn't hold them off. Made some adjustments, got too loose. We were too tight. They were too loose. They were too tight again when Blaney and the 19 were right there. And that last caution came out, and I just asked Phil and, and our group to please let me turn better, make the car turn better without giving up any rear grip, and then we were able to drive away. So 
Um, I just knew that if I could hold him off, you know, and he got by me one time, I was able to get back by him. Was not going to run him up. Was not going to pinch him up. Um, yeah, I know he's mad, and I don't care. I do not care. I did not care then. I do not care now. I'm here to race him. I'm not going to wreck him. And um, I gave him the bottom most times. One time I was inside of him was after he got by me. I crossed back over in a three, and I made sure to wrap the bottom. Like, I'm not going to slide up and pinch him at all. Um, it's in my mind the entire time, for sure. Anger. He gets angry. It's okay. I've known him for a decade. And I could see him moving around in the car, and the car's going straight, and I could see his colorful suit and gloves. Um, I didn't see, apparently, there was, um, I was number one. I don't know. But um, I did see, I could see, like, movement when I checked the camera, and I was like, oh, he is, he is angry. And then, uh, yeah, the caution came out, and we made the right adjustment, and we were able to drive away. So, um, yeah, it's nothing other than wanting to win and wanting to hold track position. And he could run second and win the championship. He did it last year. He could do it again, and um, he ultimately did it. Go up here to Nate. Uh, Nate Ryan, NBC Sports. Following up on a lot of that, Ross, were you surprised, given everything that was at stake for him, that he's running in the back of you and really forcing the issue? Or, I mean, you, you said you've raced him so long. Is he just, is he always that aggressive? Were you expecting that? Or, yeah, um, no, I didn't expect him to throttle up down in one and two and and drive square into me. But these cars allow that. They they do. And the 19, he didn't care about the 19. He probably just assumed the 19 win over me. I don't know. But um, yes, uh, unexpected. And that last caution couldn't have came out like at a better time. I was so thankful. Um, but didn't account for guys on two tires. Didn't expect to be second row. Thought I'd be front row again, uh, kind of no matter what. So, um, yeah, didn't not surprised by it, but uh, because it's him and he does that, um, and these cars allow that. They allow like just kind of inconsequential hits, um, but they also don't affect the front car as much either. Like it, I slid, but. I was able to hold the lead. And, then, and your answer to Jenna um, was struck by the fact that, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to race. I'm, gonna give, I'm not going to give an inch. Like, that's how you always race. But the ethos of this race for the non-championship four guys has been, as Steve Wittart would say, racing with mittens. That, like, it almost seems like that's why we've had nine consecutive winners who were champions until you you told Dave Burns out there that, like, you were pr proud of winning this race because you've done something that's never been done before. Do you feel like you also kind of set a new standard for maybe how to race the championship four guys today? Are you proud of that as well? Well, I'm proud that we won. And I watched practice back yesterday morning, Saturday morning, and I heard Dale and her junior say, like, Ross will be one. They'll get up and race these guys. And I, I paused it, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, what? would I do that? I don't know. That seems kind of aggressive. And then I clicked in, and I just like, I didn't really have an answer for myself. Like, I asked myself, would I race them? And I was like, well, I'll race them, but would I, like, he was like, he's going to race them aggressive. He'd be one that'll do it. If there's anybody that'll do it, he will, or however he said it. And I was like, I don't know, kind of undetermined. And then I got out there, and I was like, I'm doing it. <laughs> I am racing them. But, but the difference was is I'm not going to use my front or front front bumper, front fenders, like, side i'm not going to pinch him up into the wall i'm not going to fence like i didn't mean to fence larson at darlington but i did it like i was not going to do that i was not going to drive into the corner and like when he cleared me down into one like i was like i'm not going to try to like 
make it anything other than cross them over and do it clean and then have leverage into three and wrap the bottom and and it it worked and I was like holy cow like he passed me he's faster but I got right back by him he did not I don't think led the, I don't even think he led the lap so um yeah in my mind the whole time and um proud of the precision driving we all did you know the only contact was him just in a moment of anger just throttling up in one and two to drive square into my back bumper um other than that no contact and um you know that's, that's what i'm here to do come up here to lee ross i'm just kind of curious ending this year on a high note i mean you do you kind of think of what could have been if the years were reversed, and you were in the championship for last year. I mean, does it does it make that any easier coming out of here with a win, knowing that it's possible, that it's capable, that you can do that if you get to the championship four again? For me, it's an evolution of of Trackhouse um, and GM with this car. Right, it's it's year two. We finished up year two with this car. We came out so fast last year. We found it in at the last Charlotte Oval test, and then we came out to road courses everywhere and we won on road courses super speedways we didn't win on the oval last year we won there this year we sustained that level of competition look we've had our fair share of eighth place days and 18th place days and sometimes 22nd place days like straight up so um yeah i um it it's just a continuation in a in a we're staying here we're not going away like we're disruptive on track usually by my driving but it goes with the, the disruptiveness of Justin and Pitbull and the, our leadership team doing things different and, and having a, a real presence in Nashville and us keep like holding events there and keeping a presence there on Broadway um, for something outside of Charlotte and Concord and the Lake Norman area. Our shops in Concord, all of our employees are there except for Justin and the brain trust of the marketing side. So, um yeah, I uh, I just love that it's uh, we're staying here and we're continuing to be fast. Um, our processes are working and we trust them and we continue to see it through. And Wolfgang. Um, Wolfgang Monzer from Germany Rennsport Press Agency. First of all, congratulations. I hope my question is not too personal for you. I was confused at the podium ceremony after your race when you're winning. You smashed the watermelon. Can you explain why? <laughs> yes, Wolfgang. Good to see you. I think the last time we talked, it might have been at this podium in 2019. I was also very excited about the future, and then obviously it didn't come to fruition. But I'm having, I don't, I guess I was up here last year for championship stuff, and I'm having flashbacks to that day, and it's good to have you back. Um, yeah, I'm an eighth generation watermelon farmer, and anytime I can put agriculture on a bright, light stage like this with these incredibly bright lights as you guys go in and out of focus for me um it is it's what i want to do there we're a small part of the one percent that's in charge of feeding the other 99 percent of us that rely on farmers to to eat every day and you know if it's smashing a watermelon on the front stretch and then in victory lane um it's just to shine a bright light and, and promote agriculture and hopefully Win on Sunday, sell on Monday. We sell some watermelons tomorrow. Um, and then my platform is incredible. So I get to kind of, obviously, we have our corporate partners at Trackhouse. is able to, so, you know, put on my car. And then 
I also get to do what I want. It's my life. It's my career. It's my platform. And so, you know, something like bringing farmers to the racetrack next year, starting at the Daytona 500 with our Ag Asphalt program, is just a simple way for me that I can just tell farmers thank you, let them enter on agdasphalt.com, and they can come enjoy the races. Uh, we had some. We had a, a Bear Seminus, now at Seedway guy, with his kid this weekend. Kid had never been to a race. That kid is hooked. And that's the same way with other farmers that will be here um, next year. So, um, yeah, I just want to promote what my family has done for a really long time. Most of our, most of the families in the room, if you go back far enough, all of y'all, your families farmed at some point. They were smart enough to get out of it, okay? There was some not-so-good days, and my granddad remembers them. But for my dad's generation and my generation, it's been better days. And these, I believe, are the good old days. So promoting agriculture is top of mind for me. So, um, yeah, smashing it is just what I do. And I'm going to keep doing it, hopefully, for a really long time. That's right. That's right. The the crowd, I was a little worried that they might be focused on Blaney. I went down to three and four where NASCAR wanted me to go. And I uh, did a burnout by them. Me and Blaney did burnouts by each other. That was pretty cool. I was worried we were going to run into each other. And then, um, yeah, the reaction was just as strong as the other wins. And and um, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that people people see that how much I I care whenever we win. Every race, there's one right inside the hauler. Look, yeah, we've had a bit of a rough patch, so it's been in there a little bit, but it. Watermelon has never tasted as sweet as it does in Victory Lane. And I'll, I'm going to gnaw this thing all the way down. Yeah, that's right. It's a great koozie. <laughs> Go over here. Uh, Ross, Trey Matthews, uh, Cronkite News, uh, PBS. Um, you described uh, a little while ago how you were personally racing Blaney, how you were going for the win, and you didn't care uh, that he was uh, racing for a championship. But I want to ask you, like, uh, how would you describe uh, Blaney's race style, whether it was this race or previous uh, competitions that you may have had now that he is the, the champion? Well, I do want to uh, – maybe I said it wrong earlier, but I I do care. I I care – arguably out there more than more than anybody because I was not going to put him in a position to to damage his car in any way or put his car in a bad spot other than keep him behind me. And as long as he's behind me, that's all I cared about. Um you know, he, we're all we're all different. He he reacts physically in the car. He might I mean he says stuff on the radio for sure, but he I just have known him that he, he you can see him. You can. They wear bright neon yellow, so you can see it easily. Um, you know, I. Uh, I just. Yeah, I think that I. I believe that I cared, arguably more than him. He didn't have to pass me to win the championship. He could stay right there. There was no other competitor for points within any sight of me. It was the 19, the 12, and the one, third, second, first. So, um, yeah, I, I. I'd say I. I cared more than anybody. Um, as long as he was running second, he didn't need to run first. He didn't run first last year, and he, you know, um, his teammate won, and and now um, he need, he could run second again and win championship. Uh, Cooper and Blaze Radio Online dot com over here, Ross. Uh, how difficult was it to just run pretty much from yellow line to the wall today? You know, it seemed like everywhere was working. You were on the bottom, you were on the top. How difficult was that? And also, just you know, not only racing but fending off all those guys in all those different lanes. Yeah, the track changed a lot um and we had speed all weekend we knew that 
and uh, and as we moved around in the race, I was when I started the, the first run, I could see the people in front of me moving up, so I moved up with Harvick and with a few of the guys. By the way, that was incredible to race with him like that, like restart side by side with him. Um, and his last race was just, I was, I actually got a little emotional in the car. I was like looking over and then, and then we were coming to the restart and I'm warming my tires. I'm like, don't feel sorry for him. Go past him. Like it's a race and drove off into turn one and was able to get the lead. But, um, yeah, we would start on the bottom and then I was, I asked once I had the lead and had the front couple spots when they were moving up, uh, when guys were moving up off the bottom, um, and Brandon and Phil were giving me updates of when it was a little early, when it was they were already half the field was up there. So, um, yeah, it was it was uh, our car was versatile. I could go places. I could place it. Uh, a little half turn of brake bias to tighten me up as I went uh, throughout the run, and um, yeah, it was. Um, I could place it and still make speed. Um, there's been times here at Phoenix with this group that our first race here in the 42 car in 2021 was my first race with. Phil Surgeon and my engineers, and um, we were the slowest car into turn one by far. Like, I couldn't get in the corner. I had to slow down, and I, I'd argue that there weren't many people faster than us today, and I could place it where I wanted to. Good to uh, Jonathan over here on the left. Jonathan Field, the racing experts. Uh, I, what a season, first of all. I, I know you've faced some challenges. Uh, what is it like to just – Put a, I guess, an exclamation on the, the uh, exclamation point on the season with what she did today. Indescribable. It's it's honestly hard to put into words what this means. What winning in cup feels like. I cannot describe it. I cannot describe the the ripple effects this will have going into the off season, preparing for next year. You know, I, Justin Marks hired me. Trackhouse hired me. And Justin knew who I was. I've wrecked Justin Marks in the Xfinity races before. Daniel Suarez has wrecked Justin Marks in Xfinity races before. He knew who he was hiring when he put us two behind the wheel of his two cars. And, you know, through all the stuff, he stayed with us. There was definitely public stuff that I wouldn't have said. But he's my boss, and he gets to say it. He owns the team. And I got to be the employee at that point. As an independent contractor, I have to listen to what he says if I want to drive the car. And so y'all got to watch that. Y'all got to watch me learn through that process. Our sport is incredibly invasive for professional and personal things that people say if they say them publicly, which y'all will put a microphone in front of us 24 hours a day, seven days a week if we'll allow it. So um, it is it is so, so good to end this season with all the stuff right and i the best i can describe it there's a lot of stuff and that's cup racing i'm going to make mistakes and they knew that hiring me and through the good days of winning and the bad days of crashing out going for wins or spinning people out um ultimately they're there for me and um this is a great way to uh to go enjoy the off season okay we'll take one more we'll go to john John Newby, NBC Sports. So I asked Christopher, asked William Byron and Kyle Larson earlier, you know, just about the future of the sport, you know, the, the guys that will keep contending for championships year after year after year. Is it exciting for you knowing that you, you know, will potentially be in this group and that you've won it, you know, some of the most important tracks you need to? 
yes. To say my name next to guys like Kyle Larson, hard for me to believe it. It's hard for me to understand it, comprehend it. Early last year when we won at Coda, we walked back in the shop, the shop that was CGR, the shop that I had been at for so many good things of getting the jobs, winning the Xfinity race, and it's all gone. Now I'm the third cup driver in the 77 with Spire. Now we're coming in as a 42 driver. Like for those win win parties, I was I had a bit of like imposter syndrome or something. I didn't really believe it, and I'm having a bit of it now. Whenever you like look long term, and you're like you're saying like maybe I'm going to be competing. Uh, that's pretty wild. But I feel like yes, we're going to celebrate this, and obviously we have no racing. I think my next race now is maybe Speed Fest at at Watermelon Capital Speedway in January. I got some time to celebrate, but a lot of work to do. I mean, there was a lot of tracks this year. I did not show up, me personally, giving my best effort, um, just from a, a gas and brake and steering perspective of things. Worked a lot on Phoenix over the last few months, and I put that into action today. And then together with the car being incredibly good, you saw that. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know how to comprehend that maybe in, in a couple of years we're still doing this. Um, I, I'm human. I go back to my past and I've had things taken away that were a sure bet. Um, I thought it was, you know, a one direction all the way up the mountain and, um, had to go find another mountain to climb and, and we found it and we're climbing it. So I feel like, um, as long as I get up and I do my best, I put my work in, I go to work and I surround myself with good people. I trust our processes that, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. Ross, congratulations on the big win, and enjoy the offseason. Y'all, too. All right, Ross Chastain wins uh, at Phoenix, and that that says a lot. He, he didn't win the championship, but he knows how to get to victory, victory lane there, Tom. Oh, absolutely, and uh, <laughs> can make himself hard to pass. We, we saw that. So uh, we're kind of talking during the some of this going on. Uh, you mentioned Harvick got a record, what, 21 consecutive? Top 21 10 consecutive Phoenix. top 10 finishes at Phoenix Raceway, which which uh, um, makes sense because uh, he is the active, well, now inactive record holder of nine wins at that facility. Well, you know, it's always good to go out on your terms. I kind of was pulling for Harvick for the win because of his active winner, nine wins and nine wins at Phoenix, plus uh, the most anybody at Phoenix. Isn't that correct, Tom? Yes. And actually, you got to see the track before this. So, which one do you think more raceable? The new oh, or no? They- but by far, this latest this latest configuration. Um, you know, I'm always leery when someone says, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna make this better," because it was pretty good before. But uh, man, I am really impressed with what they did with it. Uh, two big things to me as a race fan: they made the dogleg bigger. So when when you see those cars fan out after the start finish line, there's a lot of a lot of racing goes on there. In fact, it's where uh, Blaney uh, passed Larson to win the championship was right in there. They, they, they raced hard there. And 
you know, you are sitting out there in the desert sun. They configured a good part of the grandstands where they're in the shade for most of the race. And uh, kudos to them because I've sat, I've baked in there in that desert sun, and uh, it's nicer to be in the shade. They did a good job on that. And they, they put all new seating in. Um, all good. I can't come up with a bad thing to say about it. I'm, I'm telling you, this is a top-rate facility. I, looking at what they've got and what Talladega has gotten now, I think they went out and learned a little bit and built something, to me, I think is a little better than what Phoenix has got. But that's just me. But, you know, with a two-mile track versus a one-mile, one you, you got to uh, you got a little bit more room to work with in, at Talladega. Yeah, and um, boy, that the, the what am I what am I trying to say? The um, the sweet spot is having the car adjusted where it'll run at the top and bottom, and um, that's what Blaney had in stage three. Well, uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Some folks thought maybe Chastain should have moved over and made it easier, but you know. There you go. We're talking about another, and we talked about it. Another Hendrix car with Chad Thing, which is pretty much what it is. Uh, Hendrix played a big part in this season. It's a big, it's a big change from last year. Nobody knew what this car was going to do, but it seems like everybody can kind of work around and knows what the car is going to do this year. They've overcome a lot of that. Um, you, you still see a lug nut problem here and there and a wheel fall off here and there, but uh, uh, you, you haven't heard anything of part shortages, um, nothing like that. You, they're still learning, but they've gotten a lot better with the car this year. Uh, you, we talked about, you know, would a lug nut play a part in the championship, and it, it didn't. Of course, you said the car did lose a have lug nut problems, but it wasn't in the championship. It, it didn't play play into the championship in this race, but uh, the 17 car had a lock lug nut, and that put him uh, that put him several positions back. Uh, he had a is why he had a. Keeping in mind that these pit stops have gotten really fast, they're sub 10 seconds, and uh, even with a bad lug nut, the 17 uh, got out in 12 seconds, which. You know, that, that used to be a, a whiz-bang pit stop, and it's not anymore. So he was several positions down and ended up making him up, but that he might have been a contender for the win if uh, they got him out faster. Well, the problem now is they can't get it to take gas, the fuel fast enough. They can have the tires on before they've got the, go, the car actually gas. They, yeah. They can get their four tires on there in a flash. They're, they're out running themselves. Well, you know, with William Byron winning six races, and, and you mentioned it earlier, he led over a thousand laps this this season. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. You know, we we we've seen him in front a lot of times at a lot of places. Uh, he won Watkins Glen while we were there. Uh, you know, another Hendrick uh, Chevrolet win at Watkins Glen. Um, uh, it, it seems like he's got they got that place figured out. There's. There's, if you think of, used to think of them bringing in road course ringers. Well, they don't do that anymore. It's it's Hendrick Motorsports of the road course ringers. It is absolutely uh, a big change from the day when they did bring the ringers in. 
So, uh, Tom, what was your takeaway for cup race on uh, Sunday? Well, a, a lot going on. I mean, there was as much going on there as there would have been at a super speedway. Um, and, and, you know, I think Ryan Blaney understood it as good as anyone where he, he, he talked about going into the race that you got to peak at the right time and we are peaking. And he proved that they were. Um, man, he beat he, uh, Kyle Larson uh, uh, at that last pit stop after the caution came out for Kyle Busch spinning out, got a 9.5 second pit stop. Um, and, uh, which, it, which Blaney was no slouch. He had, um, um, a 9.9, four tenths of a second slower, but that, that put, uh, Larson out in front and it took Blaney 17 laps to get around him. So, uh, if you recall when Larson won that, um, he won the race in the championship two years ago, he won it on a rocket fast pit stop, just I don't remember what the time was, but it was smoking fast. He did everything perfect, and he won the race. And for a few minutes there, a few laps, it looked like he was going to do the same thing. So, uh, you know, a, a lot going on. And um, Blaney seemed to, you know, uh, seemed to understand all of it. And uh, they gave him a car that would, would do the job, and he didn't. He he pushed it hard when he needed to, and then he um, um, backed it down when he needed to. Uh, just uh, a, a great race, a lot going on. Uh, Tom, I tell you, it, and it was clean and fast. I mean, the, Christopher Bell was really probably the highlight of going out the whole day, the day into the race to me. Because after that, it wasn't nothing but green flag, the checkers. Yeah, the, the only cautions were the stage break and uh, Kyle Busch, for my recollection. That's it. Well, he come in what, uh, what, about thirty laps, twenty laps to go. Yes. So. Thir- yeah. thir- I'm sorry. Yeah. It was thirty thirty-seven laps to go. Okay, thirty-seven laps. Well, we're gonna bring. We're gonna listen to Ryan Blaney and uh, Victory Lane here in the Deadline Room. Okay, we are now joined by our 2023 NASCAR Cup Series champion, and that is Ryan Blaney. Uh, Ryan still has a long night of media ahead of him, uh, so we're going to get as many questions as we can with him. But uh, if I don't get to you, I apologize in advance. If you have a question, please raise your hand. I'll get you a mic, and we'll start with uh, Jordan. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Um, what did you take from last year's playoff and other playoffs that you applied to really the last few weeks, particularly in Martinsville, particularly today? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, we had a good shot to get here last year, and, and I made mistakes, you know, at, at Vegas and Miami that kept us out. And, um, you know, that was, that was pretty brutal, um, you know, for me, for our whole group, right? Whenever you – or the one personally making those mistakes, you know, you take it the harshest, right? But, um, you know, everyone of the 12 groups supported me. Really. I got uh, Ryan on pause there for just a minute, but uh, we've got a, another pace after Ryan that's 40 minutes, and 
it, that's going to take us on in. And if you got time, or you can come back and listen to it. But it's the state of NASCAR, uh, Tom, and, and you listen to it. We're going in the right direction, and there's a little bit of hope here. So, uh, Tom, you know, we we kicked this thing off last year at Daytona 500, and to finish it up at uh, Phoenix, pretty incredible. What do you think about the season? In the second year, we've got the new gen car. Well, we like you say, we bookended it from Daytona to Phoenix and a couple of choice, multiple choice races in between. We covered it all: road courses, uh, super speedways, short tracks. Um, it was a good season. Um, we uh, we kicked it off with a great Daytona 500 uh, with a. Um, uh, Stenhouse winning the race, uh, and actually, if you want to really get racy, we we kicked it off with the Rolex, which uh, is my time porthole into the future. That was uh, th- that series ended uh, just a few weeks ago, and the uh, top class winner were hybrids. So that's a NASCAR um, uh, owned series. So the, I would peek in there for what the future looks like. But I don't I don't think anyone can say that the, this. Um, next-gen car is boring. It, it's livened up the racing. It's brought more winners and more teams in the victory lane. Um, I I thought it was a great season, start to finish. I, I think it's really uh, the, the next-gen car has really brought us some racing. And the road courses, I, I, Xfinity, I, I like all the road courses. It kind of surprised me they didn't add another road course to us but in Cup, but Hey, this car is working and putting parity. I mean, like you said, there's teams that shouldn't be winning that's winning. Now, uh, Hendricks is up there, but guys, you know, that they got four teams in there. Nothing but solid research, isn't it, Tom? That's all that's it is. That's right. Those, <laughs> that's a serious R&D shop right there. But to uh, start it, at, we actually started this the, second, the third week of July or January at the 24 hours into, like you said, bookended at Phoenix is a pretty incredible way to end the year. Humbling. And I, I, the racing to me, I'm sell out, sell out, sell out. I went to like four different tracks that were sell out, something we hadn't heard in the, that word in a while. Yeah, people came out to race this year. It was uh, good to see. I, uh, you know, the ARCA brought out their schedule, come out yesterday, and they, to the sadness of it all, they lost Pocono after all those years. I don't understand what happened there, but that was the only downfall I've seen of the whole schedule of the ARCA was losing Pocono, the Pocono race. Are, are, are we going to see them at the Glen? They are. They was at the Glen, yes. They will okay, be. Good. They're moving there. They're moving their date to the Glen. So, yeah, it's a Friday race at the Glen. And the the Glen will be in the chase next year. And that's the second race, the week after Darlington. September be, 15th. Uh, and I want to say again to Chris and uh, Bob, thanks for having us out in the hospitality. Everybody around the show this, man. I'm telling you, it's uh, made it all possible. Once we got home and the next morning we woke up, 
kind of gathered there about 10 a.m. And, and just wowed at what all we had done. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got got to experience jet lag again. Uh, I uh, I would quote Dave Moody by saying there isn't enough coffee. <laughs> I think that's the most coffee I've ever drank <laughs> in three days. <laughs> I'm definitely out of my out of my league times of drinking coffee. <laughs> we we had the Speedway coffee going. Absolutely. Well, Tom, I've enjoyed it, man. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, if if you'd had a crystal ball and seen it, we could have prepared better. But I enjoyed it. I hey, definitely it was, enjoyed it. Was, it. But- it, we uh, we played it off the wall and uh, went to a lot of tracks this year, so I, I had a good time. Uh, it's great flying with you. Uh, and it was all with your uh, professionalism to getting through there. I'd have been stumbled and bumbled that first. <laughs> getting, I'd have never made that first connection, Tom. It wouldn't have happened. Well, all you got to do is say you're with Roddy Maglite Media. <laughs> and it all works, don't it? Absolutely. All right, Tom, I'm gonna, we're going to get back over here on Ryan Blaney and uh, appreciate you calling in tonight. No problem, anytime. All right, my friend. Take care. We'll see you, we'll see okay, you at the track. Okay, we're now joined by our right, 23 NASCAR Cup Series champion, and that is Ryan Blaney. Uh, Ryan still has a long night of media ahead of him. Uh, so we're going to get as many questions as we can with him. But uh, if I don't get to you, I apologize in advance. If you have a question, please raise your hand. I'll get you a mic, and we'll start with uh, Jordan. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Um, what did you take from last year's playoff and other playoffs that you applied to really the last few weeks, particularly in Martinsville, particularly today? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, we had a good shot to get here last year, and, and I made mistakes, you know, at, at Vegas and Miami that kept us out. And, um, you know, that was that was pretty brutal. Um you know, for me, for our whole group, right, whenever you are the one personally making those mistakes, you know, you take it the harshest, right? But, um, you know, everyone on the 12 group supported me really well, and we just kind of set into, hey, what do we need to do to get better, right? Where are the areas we need to get better? And, and we did that over the off season, and was able to get here this year. So um, I think we learned a lot from last year from multiple sides. Uh, this also, I talked to your dad, and he said you kind of had some conversations about some things and how to kind of maybe manage things and, and that kind of thing. I'm wondering from your perspective what those conversations were like from the lessons from last year and, and yeah. this year. Yeah, dad's right there. He's, he came with the media center with me. <laughs> uh, he's taking no questions, though. Uh, so <laughs> um, no, I mean, he's been, uh, he's been awesome, right? I mean, he's been uh, uh, not only someone I grew up you know, wanting to be like and wanting to, you know, do his sport, uh, you know, obviously getting me started in, in racing, supporting me along the way, opened a lot of doors for me. Um, and then for him to still be, you know, supportive, uh, you know, when I'm an adult is, is great. So he's been, you know, he, he went on, uh, you know, his whole thing was like through the playoffs was, you know, I see the path, you know, I can see the path to the championship. I can see it. And uh, after we won Martinsville, he's like, it's lit up now. His path is lit up, and uh, I think we drove through the gate tonight, so <laughs> we have arrived. So it's just cool to have my whole family here, which was uh, very special. Go to Shane and then Dustin. Shane Connick, Charlotte Observer. 
Ryan, after you won at Charlotte earlier this year, you talked about your confidence level and how important, you know, that win was, obviously snapping the skid and all that. How much of a turning point do you think that was as obviously you went on to have this incredible playoff run that you had? Yeah, I think I think winning the 600 was, was huge for our organization, um, you know, for multiple reasons. It was big for me, right, kind of getting out of that slump after not winning for a little bit and um, it was definitely good. But honestly, I got asked earlier about this. I think the big, like, shot in the arm was winning Talladega in the playoffs. You know, our team was – we struggled through the summer months after the 600, and we worked really hard to try to get better and better. And um, our team was, like, teetering on just needing, like, little something good to happen, and then we're going to be full-on dangerous. And we won Talladega, and it was like, you know, green light, let's go. We're we're really in a good mood here, and I think that's what kind of set it, set our the rest of our playoffs off uh, to to where they are now. And um, so I think both of those wins were huge, but I personally think Talladega was like a big shot in the arm right in the middle of the playoffs that really got us going. Thanks, thanks, Ryan. We'll go to Dustin on the left here, and then in the back to Jeff. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Couple questions. Um, you talked recently just about. You know, Chase winning his championship and feeling good for a friend. Now that you get the opportunity and you're tied with him and that he came up to the stage, what does that mean and what did what did he say or what did you guys share up there? Yeah, it means a ton. You know, I mean, uh, I remember being there and, and, and going up to the stage in 2020 when he won his and, and just being super proud for him, right? Chase and I have known each other and, and raced each other for a couple decades, you know, and uh, it's, it's pretty special to, to share something with, like, you know, like that with somebody, uh, a close friend like that, and for him to show me all the support this week um, was was really neat, you know, as well for me, you know, of him kind of checking in on me, seeing how I was doing, right, because he's been here a couple times, and um, so, yeah, to have him up on stage was special. I, I'm going to enjoy that picture of he and I uh, with the trophy, and uh, but no, I mean, he, he's been an amazing friend to me, great competitor, and, and it's cool to have that. Uh, you know, a championship that we can share now. You know, like it, when we were kids, when we started racing together, we never would have thought, right, we'd be here and have a championship piece, and it's it's really cool to share that with somebody. Also, uh, you can remember to five years ago when the marketing campaign came out that promoted the young drivers, and now that was kind of a somewhat controversial among some of the competitors. To go from where you guys were in the spotlight at that point, the question was, hey, these guys hadn't deserved it yet, maybe the attention. Uh, to now where you've got a championship, Chase has got a championship, the youngest championship field. What has that journey been like and how, you know, it, that over that five-year period to get to from that marketing campaign to fulfilling what it was kind of promoting? Well, I think it's it's nice to kind of have fulfilled that because, like, yeah, like you said, at the time I do remember that. Like, it's like these guys haven't earned this marketing stuff. But, you know, it's nice to kind of be able, you know, five years later to have – you know, a couple of us that have won a championship uh, that kind of solidifies like, well, okay. I mean, at the time, right, they're just pushing younger drivers, right? I mean, they're just trying to promote the younger guys. And, yeah, some guys got a little hurt about that. But uh, it's nice, you know, that, that these younger drivers, the newer guys, are, are succeeding in their own way and, and being able to, you know, have championships and wins and uh, and for a fan base to kind of grow up with that you know, that driver of who's in their mid-20s, late-20s, you know, right? It's it's something I think people can latch on to. So I, obviously now it's easy for me to look back at that marketing campaign and be like, wow, oh, they knew what they were doing. Um, but uh, you never know how it's going to work. But 
No, it's, it's yeah. Five years ago, I mean, I never really thought we'd be sitting here right now, but mm-hmm. it seems like they they had a little knowledge of where they thought each of us were going to go. Go to Jeff in the back, and then Jen up here. Hey, Ryan, I'm all the way in the back here. Um, you know, you've always been known as somebody that says yes to a lot of things that NASCAR asks. You know, media opportunities and things like that. Um, but you know, now you're going to have a whole different opportunity with the, the NASCAR championship behind you and saying, hey, you know, we can we can put you in all sorts of places. Um, how would you like to use sort of this newfound platform um, to, to move the sport forward as a champion? Yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I, um, I'm excited to have those opportunities. Uh, I, I really look forward to facing them head on. And, uh, and I feel like as a, you know, if you get the privilege to be a champion of your sport, it uh, is part of your job to promote your sport and do the best you can to be the best champion that you can. Um, so that's the responsibility, I'm be honest with you, I haven't really thought about yet. You know, I think that's going to kind of dawn on me in the in the following days. But no, I think it's it's your it's part of your job to kind of you know, hey, embrace it, push the sport. You have this awesome platform now to where you've done something incredible. Use that right and you know, promote the sport. So I'm excited to see what uh, what happens this off season. Um, see what comes up to where you know you're not only growing yourself, you are growing the sport as well of NASCAR. You know, someone asked me earlier, you know, the Netflix deal that's happening right now, it's I've worked with them a lot through the playoffs, you know, and they've gotten a lot of inside stuff. And I think that's just a, another big thing of, you know, promoting the sport in a, in a positive way to a certain audience or a brand new audience. So, Jenna. Jennifer, AP, I got, congratulations. I got a long question for you. You came in yesterday, and we joked about how you're always even-keeled, and then um, many of us thought you were racing Ross Chastain a little unnecessarily hard there. Um, Ross says you got mad at him and ran in the back of him on purpose, and Larson and Byron said that that's pretty common of you to lose your temper like that, and Roger said that you tend to boil over, you pass boiling point, and that's not an even-keeled Ryan Blaney that we all know about. So we're, is, you got a secret dark side out there. And, and, and also we were specifically told by Roger to ask you about the beard. Uh, I guess to answer your first question, there's no secret that I am. I can snap on the radio. I mean, that's been my whole life. I mean, that's been my whole career. I mean, it's just kind of what – uh, something I do. Uh, the fact that Ross said I raced him hard. I mean, the dude's blocked three lanes, getting in the corner every lap. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I'm racing him hard. Um, when you're looking in your mirror and you're going left and right and left and just following wherever I go, I don't understand how he thinks I'm racing him hard. He's just backing me up to the five, so I have to go. I mean, he's backing me up to Larson, to where I'm going to be in trouble. Well, fucking right, I hit him on purpose. I mean, yeah. Yes, I hit him on purpose. He blocked me on purpose ten times. So, yeah, I hit him on purpose. <laughs> I mean, what do you expect me to do? He's backing me up to the, the other championship guy, and I got to go. I mean, we were just racing hard, but did I think he was over excessive on the blocks? Yes, very much so. And, yes, did I hit him? Yes, I did. But that's just part of it. Yeah. What else do you want to know? The beard? Yeah. Um, it's here. Uh, no, we didn't talk about that. I'll shave it off next year for sure, but it's a little playoff beard, so it's a little different. Yeah, I think that means too much. 
And it will get shaved. It will get shaved. Just give me a couple months. Yeah. Okay, we'll go to uh, Davey, then Lee, then Kelly. Davey Siegel with Sirius XM in the back to your left, Ryan. Um, you talked about peaking at the right time a few times this week, right? And there was a while in the summer where you guys were down, Penske was down, Ford was down, obviously, and now Ford has won all three championships. Was there a point that you got down on yourself as well and thought, okay, maybe this just isn't the year, or did you always kind of keep the faith and think that you guys were capable of getting this hot right now? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it is easy to get down, you know, but, I mean, we, we won Charlotte in May. And then we just had like a string of bad runs, you know, in, in the two or three months. And that was kind of across the board. And then, you know, when when uh, RFK started running well, you know, Busher won those three races. Brad started running really good. It's like, all right, well, it's there. You know, it's the speed and the forts are out there. These guys found it. We, What are we missing? Um, well, we took that as a challenge. You know, okay, these guys have figured out a way to, to make what we thought was an uncompetitive car winning cars so we can't blame that anymore so let's just go to work um so i I didn't really ever have that thought in the summer months even when we were struggling right you just you just try to do the best you can of giving information on where we need to be better that's from an engine side aero side setup side you just try to do the work and and you understand that this sport you're going to be you know, on top for a little while, and then other teams are going to find something. You're going to go to the bottom for a little while. You just have to have to keep working hard, and, and that's what I love about this group is is they don't ever, you know, get down on themselves. They just do the work, and they just figure it out, and, and um, that's what they did. And, uh, so I never had a doubt in them. I mean, it was, there was a lot of tough conversations. It was like, hey, we got we got to do something, or we're not going to be competitive at all in the playoffs, and, and everyone jumped on the opportunity to, to dig down deep, and, and that's what they did, and Wound up here. Really? See Spencer Kitchfence.com. Congratulations, Ryan. What does this mean to the Blaney legacy? Because, you know, when, when you think about your past, your family's past, the champions that championships that they've accrued, um, you know, to get to that point and now be part of that championship legacy, how cool is that for you? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, I mean, just coming from a, a racing family in general, right, uh, you know, Grandfather Lou went in a bunch, you know, championships around, uh, you know, the, the Northeast, and um, you know, Dad went in being the Outlaw champion. Um, you know, Dale went in the All Star championship, and and now for me to to kind of add some asphalt into there is is pretty good because that's what I grew up doing. But um, just just special, you know, and and I, you know, growing up around the racetrack, watching you know Jimmy and Jeff and Tony. Mark Barton, you know, I loved those guys, and I, I, you know, saw them win championships, and they wanted to be that way, and um, for it to come full circle is, is very special. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't think of a better spot of my family being here, and, and they may be able to witness it because, you know, they they are just as much a part of it as I am, and not only my dad, my mom sacrificed more than you could imagine to make sure I could get to every race and, and do what I needed to do to to get going and and i have two awesome sisters that that support me so uh it's uh it's pretty special to have them here okay we'll go kelly then nate then jerry kelly crandallracer.com ryan i got two for you first off you've been hounded in the past i'm guilty of it of asking you about trying to get through the playoffs trying to get through the round of eight in particular how nice is it not only to have made this championship for but to do it the first time and get a championship out of the way <laughs> yeah out of the way um 
No, it's 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 nice to uh, you know make our first Final Four. Obviously, that was like the main goal this year. Something we haven't done, and uh, to achieve that last week, uh, it's like all right, great, that's awesome. Check that one off, and and then, you know, I mean, it's just double whammy that we get to come here and and you know win the championship as well. I mean, just super proud of everybody, and um, yeah, it all happened. You know, gosh, was it? Did like Chase and Kyle did the same thing? Their first champ four, they won the championship. I think they did. So it's nice to, you know, come here and and be one for one. So hopefully we can continue to build off of this and and be able to have more shots here at Phoenix to where we can contend as well. Where do you feel like your place is now at Team Penske? Roger has said, I don't want to have one, two, three, four drivers in, in the pecking order, but he admitted that like I think some others would look at you, when you came into Team Penske and you're going against Joey and, and Brad who are making multiple championship round appearances and winning championships, you were the third guy. You were the other Penske driver. So so having a championship now, where do you feel like that puts you in this organization? Does that even matter to you? Um, yeah, I don't really think it matters to me very much. I mean, and, yeah, you know, RP's always done an amazing job of, like, you know, there's not like a number one, number two, number three driver, right? But personally, as a driver, right, when you're not winning as many races as, you know, Brad and Joey when I came into it, you feel like that, right, the number three driver or number two driver now, you know. But um, and that's just like a person, personal, like, mindset, right, that drivers get. But now I think, you know, Joey's got two. I have one. So it's like uh, still like – a half a percent down of him, but uh, no, I mean, we have a great group over there. Joey's been fantastic. War with Austin's awesome, and, and Harrison's fantastic as well. So, um, I just I just enjoy driving for amazing people like Team Penske folks and and Mr. Penske, you know Walter, you know Bud Danker, Jonathan Gibson, Tim Sinder. I mean, they're all amazing to me. Mike Nelson, and um, it's just fun to be there. I, I really couldn't imagine myself anywhere else. Uh, they've been fantastic to me for over ten years, and. Um, hopefully I, I get to spend another uh, at least 10 more over there. Nate Ryan, NBC Sports. Uh, I've got two, two. I'm going to set you off probably with another Ross question. Uh, he also said that Ryan could run second and win the championship. He did it last year. He can do it again. So with everything that was at stake, like what, what made you feel like you still had to get that position? I mean, did it cross your mind that I could just kind of ease back a little bit and still win the championship? Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing at the time was – he was struggling and the five is catching us. So he's going to continue to struggle and the five is going to be there before the race is over. I mean, that was my urgency. Like I I can't have this guy back me up to the five, you know? So that was my sense of urgency is I got to get in front of him. um, So he doesn't back me up to the five who I'm racing. Uh, So yeah, it's easy to say like, Oh, he just runs second, you know, but you never know if that thing goes green. And then the five's there. You know, and uh, then your championship has kind of dwindled away. So, You talked about how uh, last year, round of eight, I think it was Vegas, Homestead, those mistakes kind of just devastated you. And I know you said you did some work in the off season. Can you give us a little more insight into, like, you know, who helps you find that chill in, in the cockpit? Who, who, who have you been working with or who, who has kind of guided you to kind of find that focus? Um, that's a good question. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it was something we talked about a lot, you know, between me and Jonathan and, and kind of internally with myself and um, just trying to figure out. It's like, all right, what do, it's not fun pointing out things that you do poorly, right? And, and like, you, it's not fun pointing out flaws about yourself, but it's important to do to try to work on. 
um, you know, like you're bad here, you do a terrible job at this, you know, it's, it's hard admitting those things to yourself internally, but like, if they're holding you back, you have to address those problems. And I, I think I just, I just kind of finally like had a, a realization. It's like, you got to really get better at this. If you expect to go forward in your career, like you, you have to do this and you have to be smarter during races. You have got to think about the bigger picture. It's not only about being fast. You have to evolve yourself to, to be a more well-rounded racer. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of conversation with myself internally, honestly. And, um, so yeah, just, I don't know. I think it gets easier as you get older, you know, you kind of get more mature and just try to take things a little bit easier and, and be a little bit more thoughtful about, about how you approach things. So we'll go to Jerry and then Dustin Albino. Jerry Jordan, kicking the tires.net over to your left. You got out of the car and you said you're not an emotional guy, but obviously that weighed on you to win this championship, everybody being here. When does this really sink in? And is it safe to say that this is the greatest moment of your racing career? Um, yeah, I'm not a very emotional guy. And uh, I did tear up on the last lap a little bit in the helmet, uh, just thinking about a lot of stuff. Uh, I did. I did. Uh, I was a little sobbing baby on the radio after the race. I could barely speak. Just, just you know, just think about everything. Proud of, proud of everybody. Uh, you know, it's been a been a long career in, in motorsports, and uh, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, just kind of overcome with emotion. I mean, if you try to do something for a long time, you're uh, overcome with it, and um, it's just kind of part of it. So um, what was the second question you asked? Oh, by far. I mean, that this tops everything, right? This is what you dream of as a kid. This is what you strive for. This is what you run 35 races a year for, you know, um, to get to this moment, to have a shot at the championship, and then, you have to run a perfect race to, to get it. So, oh, yeah, definitely huge moment, not only for me. I mean, everybody involved in it, it's way bigger than I am. And um, I can't thank those folks enough for, for doing what they do. Go Dustin, then Alan. Dustin Albino, Jayski Reiner here. Um, as a crew chief, Hassler ascended to the top of the sport really quickly, just two full-time seasons. Um, what, what makes him or what traits make him such a good leader? Yeah, I mean, when I um, – Hester's been fantastic. I mean, he's he's such a good guy, and he and I's personality are pretty similar. Um, so when, you know, Todd Gordon told me he was retiring after 2021, it's like, uh, you know, they gave me a lot of kind of leeway to pick, you know, who I wanted. Um, and, and Jonathan, I had my eye on because he crew chiefed the 21 car for the last half of the year in 21 and did a great job, and he's been around Penske for a long time. And, um, you know, he and I just, just kind of went out one night and had dinner and, and just talked. And um, I, I really enjoyed how our conversations went and our personality meshed. And I knew he was a smart guy. And um, being able to work with him through the winter, you know, of 21 into the new car, uh, he's done a fantastic job. And, you know, he was an engineer. So it's it's hard to go from an engineering role straight into crew chiefing. You know, you're you're managing and you're leading 15 guys. And, um, you're trying to keep them pumped up, and you're, you know, also thinking about setups with the engineers. You're trying to pump up the pit crew guys. You're trying to tell the mechanics what to do. It's like that role is tough to jump into, and um, it took him a little while to kind of get comfortable with that. But this year, it's kind of like what you know internally. I went to myself last year of what I can do better. He and I had the talks of like, hey, what what can we both do better to make this uh, more of a leadership role and for you to get more comfortable? And and he embraced it. 
he's been fantastic to, to our whole group and um gosh it's been fun been fun to work with him he's just an awesome guy and, and cool to uh have a really fun year with him go to alan and then cole uh alan Cavana, ryan congratulations uh can you just take us through the nuts and bolts of that final run you, you come off pit road and all of a sudden th- th- there's the challenge of now you got to get your spot back you got to beat kyle larson what goes through your head in terms of setting your mind up and what you have to do in those last run yeah i mean i was you know bummed we we lost or we didn't really have a bad pit stop those guys just had lightning fast stops and um you know it's it's like man well that kind of stinks but then you just immediately shift to all right this is the task like this is my new job this is what we have to do and i think getting around getting around the 24 early was huge right to where i didn't have to pass two of them it just let me set my set my sights on kyle um and was able to get a pretty good run there and um get to his outside when he got to the apron. It looks like he got, he almost spun out getting to the apron, trying to not let me get to his bottom. And, and I thought we were going to possibly wreck off a two, but um, it was tight, but no, it's just, you know, hard racing between two guys. I have a ton of respect for Kyle. Um, and so it's fun to race him for the, you know, the championship like that. Obviously his pedigree in racing is massive and, and his talent is endless. And uh, to be able to go toe to toe with him like that was, was pretty great. And one of the first things you said over the radio to Roger was, thanks for giving me a shot. Uh, it's one thing to drive for Roger Penske. You've now won him a championship. What's that journey been like you know, since you first got that call? I mean, I just look back you know, over 10 years and, and how it kind of all came through. You know, And uh, that would never have thought you know, 10 years ago I'd be here today. You know, I just was lucky to be able to have an opportunity to drive for a team like, like Team Penske and, and work with such great people you know, from – you know, the Xfinity side to the Cup side to be able to, to drive for the Wood Brothers, you know, for a couple of years. Um, honestly, and I haven't said it, and I'm ashamed of myself for not saying it, Brad Kozlowski was a huge piece of getting me in there, um, was a massive piece of, uh, you know, driving their Xfinity program. I drove his trucks for a couple of years. I mean, Brad was, was a huge connecting piece um, and me being a part of the Penske group. So, I can't thank him enough. It was a lot of fun seeing him after the race. Um, he came to the stage. That meant a lot to me because, uh, like I said, he was a huge part of my career. So, um, But, yeah, just you want to drive for amazing people, and, and I've been really lucky to do that from Brad to the Wood Brothers to Penske. Uh, it's been a dream come true. Cool. Cole Kusamon with Arizona Republic. Uh, congrats, Ryan. Alan got to my, uh, my initial question, so I'll ask this. Um, three straight runner-up finishes at Phoenix – is that frustrating for you? And I guess does this sort of kind of make up for that? I don't give a shit about running second three times. <laughs> Not now. I don't care. Okay, Ryan, we will let you go on that one. Thank you so much. Congratulations. All right, then. Uh, kind of. How do, you, how do you beat that, huh? Ryan Blaney, NASCAR 2023 champion. Pretty cool. Uh, so, I, man, I, hey, look, I appreciate everybody that calls in and listens to the show. Uh, you know, we're here. This is almost 600 episodes. This one coming up will be season number 11, so that's not bad. And we've been pretty much every Monday morning now and Thursday. So I'm going to 
Blake, we, we need to finish the night off with this. It's going to be really close. Steve Phelps is part of this, and it's the direction NASCAR is going. So pretty cool to be part of it. All right. Good morning, everybody. My name is Eric Ryan. I'm Vice President of Communications here at NASCAR. Thank you for being here with us in lovely Phoenix, as well as those joining on the live stream and on SiriusXM as we prepare to open this historic 75th anniversary championship weekend. I'm here with NASCAR President Steve Phelps and Chief Operating Officer Steve O'Donnell for our annual State of the Sport. We'll begin with a brief address from both gentlemen, and we'll start with you, Steve. Thank you, Eric. Um, it's good that this is working. Uh, first of all, um, welcome to Phoenix. It's great to have you all here. Uh, as we typically do, want to take a moment and thank our media corps um, for all you do for our great sport. Whether this is your 38th weekend or your first, each of you play a role in bringing our sport closer to our race fans. So I want to thank you for all you do. Um, secondly, before we get into this weekend and the season overall, I did want to take a moment to congratulate Kevin, Har Kevin Harvick on his amazing career uh, and Eric Amarola. We're super excited to uh, have Kevin in the booth next year. Um, not exactly sure what Eric's plans are, but um, I'm sure we'll see him around a racetrack somewhere. This is the, uh, the fourth year that we've been in Phoenix for our championship. I think this community has embraced uh, our championship. Um, if you think about what happened from a, from a fan perspective, uh, we've been sold out of the, the race on Sunday uh, since June. Um, early sellouts uh, last year and the year before as well. So it's great to be in Phoenix, but also the local community, what the local community has done for our sport. When you walk off the airplane here and you see the city of Phoenix and the pageantry and the displays and whatnot that, that they have, uh, despite it being a, a World Series market, um, we feel welcome here. Um, and we also feel welcomed by the corporate community. So uh, a big shout-out to Latasha Kazi, who's been here a little over a year. I think Latasha and her entire team have done a spectacular job in making sure that this facility uh, looks like it does, which is spectacular, uh, and we're looking forward to crowning three champions on their national series um, with our Craftsman Truck Series, our Xfinity Series, and obviously our Cup Series on Sunday. Um, so 75th anniversary season. I think it has been an extraordinary season on a lot of different levels. I promised Steve that I would not steal all of his portions on the competition side, which he is going to speak to. But I think the, um, the competition itself has been, as it was last year, extraordinary. Um, and I think it really is a testament to, to the next-gen car. Um, and I won't get into a lot further of that because uh, Steve will handle that. Um, you know, I, I think about this championship, and you think about our racing so when we crown our champion on Sunday, and we'll talk specifically about Cup right now, we're going to have a, a playoff system that I believe is the toughest in sports. And if you think about the style of racing that we have and the, and the incredible competition on the racetrack, think about the variety that our, our drivers had to go through, right? They raced on dirt. They raced on concrete. They raced on asphalt. They raced on short tracks, 
street courses, road courses, super speedways. Is there another racing series on the planet that can say that? I don't think there is. I think we've got the best racing in the world, and I think it's the most competitive racing in the world. And when we crown that champion on Sunday, that champion is going to be very deserving. And I've heard some things. There were people who like, hey, listen, this is gimmicky. and when It's not. It's an incredible, incredible playoff system that rewards the best drivers in our sport. Uh, as I think about the 70th anniversary as well, I think um, in kind of a moment of reflection around what are the key objectives or the key metrics that we have. Um, I talked about competition briefly. Uh, I would also go to attendance. So I talked about sellouts here. Um, had 50% more sellouts this year than we had last year. I think everyone who goes to the racetrack can agree that not only do the crowds look better, and they do, but the energy level coming to a NASCAR race is as, as good as it's been in, in a decade. Um, it is our goal to continue to have growth in attendance at all of our racetracks. Uh, other would be consumption. So if you look at digital and social consumption for NASCAR for this year, it's up. Um, television has been a bit of a mixed bag with the cup being down, low single digits, as well as uh, our Craftsman Truck Series, low single digits, um, and then the Xfinity Series being up. I would say that we haven't had great luck, particularly in the first half with weather. Weather wasn't our friend, um, but I'm super excited to get us back on the growth pattern from a television perspective uh, next year because we'll have lower comps than we did this year. So excited about that. I think that NBC came back in a, in a powerful way. Um, and those metrics being up. So if you consider back in March, we were down 15%, and now we're down middle, mid single digits. We're, we're happy with where that, that is. Um, one thing I want to talk to uh, right up front, um, and I'm sure there may or may not be a question on this, is where we stand with our media rights. Um, our media rights, uh, the amount of interest in attaining our media rights for 25 and beyond uh, exceeded our expectations. Um, it is our expectation that not only having a great result with the CW uh, with our Xfinity series um, and what's going to be an incredible 33 race schedule on broadcast television, we believe that we're going to have a very strong result with media partners that will look at a combination of broadcast, cable, and streaming to some degree. What that looks like, I don't know. Are we getting towards the end of this process? We are. Um, did I think that we would have uh, a result earlier? I did, um, but we haven't. It's an incredibly competitive marketplace. But with that said, I want to assure all our race fans, um, anyone who's listening, and certainly the media core here, we have had tremendous interest uh, in our sport from a media rights standpoint. Uh, the next one I want to talk to is uh, charters. Um, I'm not going to get into the negotiation, so, but I will give you kind of where we are um, to the degree that I can without getting into too much specificity. Um, 
if you would ask the race teams, do we think we're making progress with, with NASCAR on where things stand in the extension of our charters, I think our race teams would say yes. Um, we understand that race teams want three things, and I'll talk about charters specifically or cups specifically, but honestly it's the same thing for Xfinity and, uh, and trucks. So if you think about um, race teams, what do they want? They want to be competitive on the racetrack. They want to make sure they're break-even or, profit or profitable, right? And as it relates to the charter specifically, they want to increase their enterprise value. So I won't get into numbers about where we stand from an enterprise value standpoint with our charters, but I would say this. Um, when the charters change hands um, at the end of the year, and we know at least one will, um, there will be a significant multiple um, that race teams will have from a, from a charter uh, enterprise value standpoint. Um, and again, as I said, Xfinity and trucks want the same thing, right? They want to make sure that they are competitive on the racetrack and that there's an opportunity to, to seek profitability. Um, I think that goes into what will be my last area, which is industry collaboration. On a lot of different fronts, and Steve can talk to this, the, the collaboration with our industry has never been better. Whether you're talking about OEs, you're talking about racetracks, you're talking about uh, teams, or you're talking about drivers, there is, a, there is an energy level, an excitement level that we are moving together as one. If we're going to optimize the growth of this sport, we need to continue to do that in 24, 25, and beyond. And we are putting plans in place to make sure that we do that. So charter extensions, in addition to having um, fast race cars coming to the racetrack to be competitive, we, make, we need to make sure our race teams are helping to grow the sport. We need to do the same thing from, from a driver perspective. What things can we put in place that allow us to be most successful um, with the drivers and having the drivers help promote the sport to agree that they um, they're, that, that they're not doing today, um, and we think there's room there. Um, and then as it relates to the racetracks, to make sure our racetracks are also doing, putting their best foot forward, whether the racetracks that we own or Speedway Motorsports or Independence, and the collaboration there has also ne never been better. Can we do better? We can, and we will. And lastly, um, I wanted to, before I turn it over to Steve O'Donnell, acknowledge Steve um, and Steve's leadership for this sport. Um, Steve currently oversees competition strategy and innovation. Uh, our racetracks, International, um, recently uh, have announced that Steve will add some responsibilities in the areas of sales, marketing, content, digital, social, I had to miss something here, someone broadcast. So um, Steve's title won't be changing, but his responsibilities are changing, and I'm super excited uh, to have Steve um, uh, take those additional roles. And the last thing I would say, just so I can embarrass Steve, today is Steve's birthday. So please be nice to Steve when you ask questions. <laughs> Over to you. Thank you, sir. Um, and, and I would echo what, what Steve said, the, the time and energy not lost on us, you know, how many races we have through all of our portfolio of races. I saw some of you even over in France, you know, covering Garage 56 and Le Mans, huge effort. 
but all that has really been helpful for the sport. So thank you. I would echo what, what Steve said as well. And I'm going to be brief because we've got a championship coming up and uh, really cool to see the ladder system. We've got uh, Sean Hingarani, 17-year-old, with a shot at an ARCA championship today, um, which is really cool. Um, Joey Denowitz in the back who uh, has come on board to help us really work on that ladder system uh, with youth racing. It's going to be huge for us as we look at, you know, how someone gets into racing, um, how they go up through the ladder system, clean that up a little bit, but a huge focus for us going forward. So appreciate Joey coming on board and, and looking at that. Um, and then also want to give some credit. Steve talked about the collaboration, and we've got what I think is the most trust in the garage area that we've ever had, and, and that's a testament to both John Probst and Elton Sawyer, um, Tom Bryant here as well. Uh, the only way we get better is by collaborating with the industry, and they've got to have the trust of our leadership to be able to come to them, whether it be rules packages, safety initiatives, whatever that is, uh, to be able to work together. And I think there's an understanding that we are not only always going to get things right, um, but we're open-minded, we're going to look at things, and we're going to react quickly where we need to, and, and I believe you're seeing that. So if, if you look at the second year on the cup side of our next-gen car, um, and where we are today, if you look at last year to this year, what did we want to see? Clearly a focus on safety, wanted to make improvements there, um, and wanted to see continued excellence on the racetrack in terms of the number of drivers that are able to win, and probably even more importantly, the number of organizations that were going out and, and going to be able to compete and not have a fluke win, but really compete for race wins, race in and race out. And you're seeing 2311, you're seeing Roush Racing, Trackhouse, um, JTG, go out there and, and really have a shot to compete. Um, we saw 15 different winners. Ten of the 16 organizations won a race this year. Um, that's incredible. Um, the OEMs have all been represented. All three OEMs are in our final four. So going back to Steve's point, uh, you got to win and you got to perform on the racetrack. All of our OEMs know that. Three of the four had to win um, the most wins uh, for the season, second most wins for the season, tied for third most wins in the season for our four championship contenders. So a lot of quality throughout the year that built up through the championship. So we're really proud of what we've seen on the racetrack um, and the results that we've seen as well. Are there some things we're going to continue to look at? Absolutely. Short track, road courses, um, you've seen some improvements um, that we've looked at. Not exactly where we want to be, but Goodyear and our partnerships worked really well. Uh, the drivers will be meeting with Goodyear today. I believe John said it at 5.30 to continue to work together on the race and the rules package around our short tracks and road courses. A lot of different things we're going to look at, both from an efficiency standpoint for the race teams and then what you see on track as far as quality of racing. But certainly like the momentum we're seeing. Uh, really important that we saw what we did at, at Martinsville, competitive race, uh, and that's the momentum we want to continue to build on. And then probably the last piece I want to address is, you know, a lot of questions last year, rightly so, on, on the safety aspects of the car. And the work by Dr. John Padillac and the teams uh, together, collectively talking about what we've learned, what we could do, and quickly reacting to new parts and pieces on that car, the front and the rear clip. We had two really, really severe incidents this year, um, and that car held up. Um, and we were able to learn from that. And as I've said and will repeatedly say, and I think everyone on our team will say, it's an endless journey for us. We want to be at the forefront of safety. We're going to continue to learn. Um, when we find something, we're going to implement it and react. So proud of the group and the effort. 
And I think most proud of all four championships here and the quality of drivers we have, not only in the ARCA West Series, but you look at trucks, you look at Xfinity and Cup, really exciting group of drivers coming up, both young and some seasoned veterans, but the future is really bright when we look at the, the ability um, that these teams have um, and the momentum that they're bringing to the sport, not only for our championship, but, but for years beyond. So with that, I'll hand it back over to Eric. All right. Thank you, birthday boy. All right, so we will take your questions. Just remind everybody, try to keep it to one question. Also say your name and your outlet. All right, so we'll start with Jordan Bianchi. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Uh, question about charter negotiations, and i got a quick follow-up. Um, when you look at the deal, when ideally would you like to see a deal completed by uh, with the teams? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is get through our media rights. Uh, Jordan, and I think the race teams have seen that. With that said, we're currently having discussions with our race teams. So we had a meeting last Wednesday with a, a team owner council where the entirety of the meeting was about charters um, and charter extensions. And, you know, we've acknowledged that we want to change the paradigm for our race teams, um, and we need to make sure our race teams are profitable. We need to make sure our race teams are competing on the racetracks, and we are interested in having their enterprise value climb, as I had said earlier. So no timeline, um, but we are, as we're finalizing our media rights, we are talking about other portions of what our charters would look like that are not financial. One of the sticking points uh, during the negotiations is uh, about the length of the contract that would be with the teams. The teams have said they would like it in perpetuity. My understanding is that NASCAR maybe is not in favor of that. So is NASCAR okay with teams having franchises, you know, forever? Or would you like to see a cap on that? And then if not, why would you want to see a cap on that? So we're, we won't get into the negotiations specifically, Jordan, but I would say that I'm confident that the teams in NASCAR will come to an agreement that's going to be fair for race teams, fair for NASCAR, and help grow the sport. And I think that's what we're going to do. All right, next we'll go to Bob and then to Dustin. Uh, Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. And talking about the short track and road courses, you've tried a lot of things. One thing that you haven't tried is to increase horsepower, yet that is what drive money drivers often say needs to be done, and it sounds like the, some, at least some of the engine builders are open to it. So is that under consideration at all, and why or why not? I think everything's up for, for consideration, Bob, and, and we've proven that. Um, you got to factor in you know, what are the costs involved as well, right? It's, it's not as simple as just up in the horsepower. You, you better be ready for all your OEs to be on board. Uh, it better make sense for any potential new OEM and new technology, um, and it's not just a short-term answer. So for us, I think, you know, we're going to look at shifting um, specifically around that at our next test and see what we can do. So um, there'll be variations. There'll also be some aero things we do with the underbody. I think there's some some things we found in Richmond um, from an aero standpoint that could work as well. So um, nothing to report, Bob, in terms of, yes, we're going to do that, but open everything, but I would say short-term, more around shifting and, and the aero package. Okay. Dustin? D Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Um, you guys have talked a lot about interest internationally and wanting to go internationally, and there was a lot of talk about going to Montreal this year other than for next year. Why is NASCAR not going to, to Montreal next year, and when is it likely that is that opportunity still open, or what, what does the future, what, what does 2025 look like internationally? 
Yeah, I think um, 2025 and, and really beyond um, look like there's a number of opportunities. So when we looked at Montreal, absolutely there was there was interest um, on both sides. And I wanted to dispel kind of some of the, the rumors that were out there that Iowa came in in place of Montreal. It's not the case. Um, in an ideal world, we actually wanted to potentially bring on both, both racetracks. And I think when you look at our sport um, and the ability to go into a marketplace, really grow the sport, uh, we want to make sure we have all the levers in place to not just kind of come in and out. We want to build NASCAR within that particular country or marketplace. Um, and as we continue to talk in Montreal, we realize that you know, probably a little quick uh, to be able to make that happen. And in the meantime, there's been a number of discussions, not only in other areas in the U.S., um, but other opportunities in North America and outside the U.S. So for us, it was a little bit of a pause, and let's evaluate all of those opportunities together um, and you know, look at what's in the best interest of all of our fans um, for 25 and beyond to make sure that we put the most exciting schedule together possible. Okay. Next we'll go to Kelly and then Lee and then Nate. KellyCrandallRacer.com. I, I guess this would be for OD as a competition question. Uh, Steve, there's been times this year where there's been some issues with the officiating in the tower, some inconsistencies. Brad or Elton has admitted that on SiriusXM a few times. This off season, is there going to be some time to review or just take some steps to try to button up what's been going on in the tower to not have as many of those issues? So I, I would take a little bit of issue with as many of those issues. I think as a sport, um, I'd put our officials up against any sport in the world. Um, and I'd also put our officials from an integrity standpoint up against anyone in the world. When they make a mistake, they don't hide. They go to the media, they go to a race team, and they correct it. It uh, doesn't happen in all sports. So do we want to get everything right? We do. Uh, but I would remind everyone there's no timeouts. There's no going back to New York to review something. You're, you're racing, and every second of every race you've got to make a call. And you've got to be able to defend that. So what I'm proud of our folks is they're able to come in and defend the call they made. And if we made a mistake, we're going to address it. Uh, we meet every Tuesday. We go over everything that happened in race control. Uh, we talk to the drivers. We talk to the owners. So we want to be perfect for sure, Kelly, but uh, we're not going to get everything right. Uh, we're not going to get everything right in 24 or 25 as well. Um, but I promise you that the best interests of getting it right every single second of every race Always our goal. Okay, we have Lee next. Lee Spencer, CatchFence.com. Uh, to follow up on Bob's question with the short track package, are you, OD, would you be um, up to just having something other than a one-size-fits-all type of car to improve the product on the short tracks and the road courses? And if that meant a different engine package in that car or different aerodynamic parameters of, for that car, um, is that something that NASCAR would entertain? Yeah, I think that's one of the things you saw with the test, you know, looking at the, the underbody of the car. If there's certain areas we could remove on short tracks and road courses that would make an improvement, we, we would absolutely do that. Okay. We'll go Nate, Claire, and then Jeff. Uh, Nate Ryan, NBC Sports. Not sure which Steve would answer this, but my question is about Fontana. Yeah, probably that, Steve. Uh, We've recently seen visual evidence floating around that the demolition of the two-mile oval in Fontana has begun. Can you confirm that? And can you also provide an update on if the plan is still to put a short track there, if the parameters of that layout would still be like a Richmond-Bristol-Martinsville hybrid, and when would, if that's going to happen, what's the target for a completion date and opening? 
So I like the three-part question, Nate, but at least they're all together, right? Um, a, common, a, common, a common thread, right? Um, so I will take this one. I would say yes, I will confirm that demolition has, has begun. Um, I would say that we are still planning on building a short track uh, in Fontana. Um, what the timing of that, I don't know. There's, you know. This isn't the best time to be building based on you know, inflation, the cost of capital, et cetera. Um, but our intention is to continue to be in, this, in the Southern California market. That for 2024 will be at the Coliseum. So, but it is our intention to build the short track uh, in, the, in the Inland Empire. I think, it, yeah, it's going to be a short track. It'll be most likely be a half-mile racetrack, what exactly that looks like. But, you know, we've got renderings. We've got what it looks like that, you know, we are, we are ready to go when the time is right. I do, um, that's a good question um, that we're not ready to talk about, Nate, because we're not going to talk about the 25 schedules. Steve alluded to a couple of things that we could potentially look at. But the Southern California market is important to us. Okay. We'll go to Claire, then Jeff, and then Jenna. Claire B. Lang, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. I talk a lot with fans on the radio, and it seems to me even the fans who are iconic longtime fans are understanding change now and are embracing it more than I recall them doing. What is your feedback saying about that? And then also, can you also talk about how the drivers can help sell the sport more than they are now and what you're envisioning that they could do that they're not doing, you know? Yeah, yeah go ahead and take that. Um, so, um, no, I'm just kidding. It's his birthday. It will be nice. Um, let, me start, uh, let me start with the latter, Claire. So I think that what can drivers do? I think as we look forward uh, in 24, 25, and beyond, um, and this is a, a question that Janet asked last year with respect to, quote, driver star power, right? I think for us, we are, um, we've got very, our drivers are fantastic. They're interesting. They're, you know, heroes when they get into the race car. We need to ex expose them in a greater way to both existing fans and nurturing that relationship with their existing fans and future fans. How do you do that? Well, one of the reasons, one of the ways we can do that is we have a brand new production facility that we're building out in Concord next to our R&D facility, which will have two main components to it. will be kind of the live broadcast component of it and then something we call NASCAR Studios, which essentially is content. So we think the opportunity to create content, interesting content, whether it's short form or series like you know, what we're doing with Netflix or whatever that may be, to serve fans where they are is an important component to it. Because we've got, our drivers are, you know, they're cool, they're interesting, um, and we think we've got the best racing in the world. So though all those combinations together we think will allow our drivers to build their own brands. If we build our driver brands, then the sport's going to have the best success for, for long-term long -term growth. And your first question with respect to the racing, is that what it was, Claire? Yeah, I think, I think that's fair, Claire. So I think for every Chicago street race um, that we've done, you, you juxtapose that with North Wilkesboro. 
and the All-Star Race. I would say those two events were fairly significant events, but very different from each other. So 80% of the people who bought a ticket to the Chicago Street Race had never been to a, a NASCAR race in their life. I would suggest that if you went to North Wilkesboro, you probably had a number that was like 80 people had never been to a NASCAR race. It's a very different animal. That's okay. And why wouldn't we want to do that? And you think of that short track in the hills in, in North Wilkesboro, Wilkes County, and you know a major metro downtown in Chicago, I think that's a cool thing. So, yes, I listen to your show often, and it is you hear race fans talking about that. Hey, maybe Chicago Street Race wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but it was interesting after we announced Chicago, the number of with our research, the number of fans that said, oh, that was a whole lot better than I thought it was or it would be, um, that's an important thing too. So we're trying to serve over our 38 weekends across three national series, all kinds of opportunities for fans to, to be engaged in our sport. Um, and I think that we do a better job than most sports, honestly, at listening to our race fans, what's important to them and how do we serve them because um, it's important to us. I would I would just add one thing that I think you know we really want to focus on going forward too with our with our broadcast partners and others is just how hard this sport really is and I think for some of the new fans coming in there's not a lot of difference between our our quote unquote fans who have been with us for a long time and new fans but when someone's talking about Kyle Larson and he's able to hit his mark you know what does that mean um, you know and if Kyle Larson gets out here on Sunday and is able to hit a spot that's an inch wide on a racetrack lap after lap that's hard and showcasing that and why he's so talented why he's different from other drivers is going to be really important for us going forward i think you know that's an opportunity for us to really showcase the skill that's involved on any form of racetrack as, as steve talked about but particularly on ovals and what happens uh, is going to be an important area for us to focus on going forward all right thank you so jeff's next jenna followed by deb jeff buck from the athletic um you just talked about driver star power a little bit, and I was wondering because, you know, the industry lately has had sort of a conversation around this topic of whose responsibility it is to build this. And you talked about, you know, NASCAR Studios and Netflix and what you guys are doing. Um, where, where does the responsibility come from? Like, is it – are you supposed to be building this and driving this? Are the team supposed to be doing it? Are the drivers supposed to be doing it themselves? How – who who is – is lacking in that area and, and what needs to happen to make that better? Listen, I think we all need, the answer is yes. Um, all the responsibility is with NASCAR. The responsibility is with our race teams. The responsibility is with our drivers. Um, and I don't, um, I think that as we move forward, putting things in place that will allow for the success there is important because we will not optimize our growth if the entire industry doesn't come together, um, and I include racetracks in that too, which is why I included that in my upfront. It's important to grow driver brands. And listen, I've heard from, you know, from others that, uh, from the race teams saying, hey, we want to build our, our own brands as, as race teams. I'm for that too. Um, if Hendrick Motorsports can build Hendrick Motorsports and it leads to more engagement from our race fans, I love that. Um, but I do know that drivers becoming more popular, increasing driver star power, is absolutely going to grow the sport as well. And so we need to make sure that we're putting things in place 
that will allow that to happen. Okay, Jenna, Deb, and then Chris. Jenna Fryer, AP. Thank you, Steve O.D., for spending part of your birthday with us. No, it was a, yeah, it's great. Um, shockingly, I, I think I'm stuck here. I was going to ask you about star power, but I think that you're just going to answer the same way. Um, so I, I'm going to try, though. Um, yesterday, unprompted, Blaney said to us, he said, unfortunately for you guys, there's just no drama. There's just no excitement. It's just the four of us. There's no bad blood. And then Dale Jr., I think the phrase he says is these four guys are just not very dynamic and aggressive. How do you overcome that? You know, and how, how did you know? I, I know you've been talking about the energy on site is good at events, but you know, when you've got the own the, the participants and the people here saying, "Yeah, all right, these four could have been more dynamic," but this is who we're stuck with. How do you overcome that? You get it. No, I guess I would say, what does that mean? Uh, you've got arguably two of the best race car drivers in the world uh, going out to compete for a championship. So I, I'm a little bit confused. I'd, I'd say you've heard from Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell in terms of the U.S., what they're doing on different surfaces. You've got Ryan Blaney, who's gone out there and won. I'd say it's pretty dynamic in terms of, I don't know if you spent, I think you have some time with Ryan Blaney. He's a pretty fun guy. Um, and you look at, you know, William Byron, you know, what he's done, what he stands for. So, you know, everyone's not going to be, you know, a certain personality that drives things. I think we've got to look at, you know, what they do to represent our sport. I'm, I'm proud of those four drivers and what they do to represent our sport. I think going back to what Steve said, you know, there's, there's things that we've got to do as a sport to really showcase their talent more on the racetrack, right? And, and I think that will help us. You know, we're not going to be a soap opera. Um, we're, we're a sport that's going to go out there and race and showcase the talent um, of our athletes. And with that will come personality. With that will come some storytelling. We've got to do a better job certainly around storytelling. But I, I personally, I think I can speak for Steve on this, I'm, I'm proud of the Final Four we have in, in all, all, all of our series. Um, you know, certainly some people do some things differently, right, and, and outside of a race car. Um, but that's for us, I think, as a sport, and, and you, know, you asked the right question, and, and we've talked about it. it's on everybody, race teams, the tracks, what we're doing at track to showcase our drivers. Candidly, going back a little bit old school, um, you know, some of the things we used to have with stages at tracks, you know, autograph sessions, things we may have gotten away from in the past that I think getting the drivers with their helmets off, getting that personality out there a little bit more. Um, I'd reverse it a little bit, Jen. I think we have a big opportunity as a sport because we've got a crop of young drivers for fans to come in and embrace. And now we've got to do the job, as do they, uh, to say, hey, come root for me, right, uh, and come along for the ride, because it's a lot of young drivers that we need to have fans embrace and, and latch onto and show them why. No, and I think that's an important component of this as well that Steve brings up about the young drivers. I mean, the average age of our, our championship four on the cup side is 28. The oldest driver is 31. You, got, you will have either a two-time champion in Kyle Larson or a first-time champion in the other three. And I will go back to my opening. I think these guys, if you get here and you're the championship four, you deserve it. In all, in, honestly, in all, in all four, uh, three series, national series. And I'm excited about what we're going to see on the racetrack Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I think there's going to be incredible drama. I don't, uh, I don't think that any of those four drivers uh, in any of the four series is just going to lay over and let someone win. They're not going to. They put the helmets on, they strap in, and it's game on. And that's what they do, and they do it better than anyone in the world. 
All right. Next we'll go to Deb and then Knight and Wolfgang. Deb Williams, Auto Week. Having covered this sport for four decades and having seen how much good NASCAR's diversity program has done in the last two decades, how is the America First legal complaints to the EEOC going to affect NASCAR's diversity program? You know, Deb, I'm, I'm proud of the work that we've done in, in the areas of um, diversity and inclusion to, to broaden our sport. Our sport's about welcoming all race fans, right? And that's what we want to do. We are going to continue efforts to have the entire country, the entire world come to our facilities, watch on television, um, because it's a, it's a battle love for racing. I think our racing and our sport in general, but racing specifically, is a great opportunity for people to come together. And that's what we want to do. So we're going to continue to, to make sure that we are broadening um, our fan base and broadening our fan base across every segment of this population, young, old, black, white, um, male, female, all of it, um, because that's how we're going to grow. Our job when we wake up in the morning, how can we grow this sport? And we're going to do it with all kinds of programs to meet potential race fans where they are or existing race fans where they are. And I think that's a responsibility of anyone who works within this sport, certainly those that work in NASCAR. Thank you. All right. Chris, Wolfgang, and then Jerry Jordan. ChrisKnightCatchRants.com. Uh, this question is for OD. We saw that NASCAR brought stage breaks back to the road courses at the Charlotte Roval in October, and I was just curious if that uh, motion was going to continue into 2024 and we see stage breaks be back on the road courses. Yeah, first of all, good to see you back here, Niter. Um I would say that uh, we are strongly looking at that. I would say 99% there will be some type of stage break, but we do want to look at the incentives during the race. Um, there was a lot of challenges from the race teams, the strategy and you know, who stays out or points, and I think we want to take some time with the teams and drivers to figure out the, what's the best use of that. Uh, maybe looking at the point system uh, as well, but would anticipate stages for sure. Okay. Wolfgang, Jerry, and then other. Uh, Wolfgang Monzer from Germany, Rangeport Press Agency. Steve, a question for Steve O'Donnell. Uh, if I understood you correctly, you said earlier there is a possibility that NASCAR leaves the American continent to race somewhere else in a foreign country. If so, this required a cooperation with the FIA over in Paris. Can you tell me how is the cooperation with the FIA, especially on the safety side of construction of race cars, including NASCAR Cup cars? Yeah, I would say, first of all, um, really proud of what we've done in North America in terms of safety and, and working with the FIA. But, you know, we go through ACUS. Um, we have good, great, great cooperation uh, between NASCAR and IndyCar and, and all of the forms of motorsports in the U.S. I think you're seeing some of the technology we've actually come up with be utilized now um, and other forms of racing, which is which is terrific to see. So uh, for us, it'll be a delicate balance depending on where we go, uh, closer relationships um, with certain uh, FIA leaders in specific countries, and some we've got to get to know. Um, so we'll continue to look at um, what forms of racing we would bring outside the U.S., what technology is under the hood, a lot of opportunities for us as a sport, be it 
you know, alternative fuels, electric, hydrogen, um, everything's on the table, uh, which is unique for, I think, us as a, as a sanctioning body in terms of, you know, having that Garage 56 program, having our next-gen car designed specifically for all kinds uh, of different power units. So we're excited about the opportunities uh, and can vary those depending on where we're at, country or continent. All right, next we'll go to Jerry and then Jim. Jerry Jordan, kickingthetires.net. Uh, Odie, for you, um, a year or so ago there was a lot of talk about EV cars and then that kind of shelved. But uh, my understanding is you guys have made some great strides in that department. Can you elaborate on confirm what, uh, what, what's going on there? Yeah, a lot of work's gone on at the uh, R&D department around EV. Uh, we have a, a car. We have an alternative body style with that car. Um, I would not look for us specifically to go racing with it. I think you could see it showcased at certain events next year, um, but there's other forms that we want to look at. I'm actually headed to Japan Thursday um, to go look at hydrogen racing specifically, so we've got a contingent heading over to Japan to look at that. So we want to kind of test each and every form. Um, really excited about what our teams put together around uh, an electric car, but again, wanted to just showcase that to the fans and then explore other technologies as well. And a quick follow-up for uh, either one of y'all, because y'all both addressed it in the past. But uh, in 2017, you guys said there's increasing excitement around NASCAR. Uh, we continue to have ongoing dialogue with a number of auto manufacturers about their interest in joining the sport. Where do we stand with OEMs so many years later now? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a question that, that we keep getting, rightly so. Um, there is certainly interest. Uh, I think one of the reasons we went over with Garage 56 was to continue to spur that interest. And the challenge remains for us, you know, what engine package are we going to be running specifically around Cup? So the good news is all of our existing OEs are very open to dialogue now about where the new technologies are going. And I think as, as everybody here reads about the auto industry, it's, it's in flux, right? There's a lot of technologies being looked at. Uh, things change almost monthly in terms of, of what's going to be uh, in the hands of consumers. So we need to get that right. I think the dialogue that we're having now with our OEs is allowing us to have those conversations uh, with potential new partners. Uh, it's part of the trip that when we go over to Japan to, to look at that, it was part of the trip when we went to Le Mans to have conversations with new OEs. And I think it will be important, as Steve talked about earlier, with the, with the charter discussions, you know, as we look at our team owners to be able to you know, seed a new OEM or, or two with our with our uh, our car owners as well, and, and bring some new interest into the sport. So it remains a goal. All right, we'll take our last question from Jim. Jim Mutter, Motorsport dot com. Uh, birthday, Steve. Earlier, you said about um, the effort of not wanting to be a soap opera and more that we're a professional racing organization. But I wondered in a world which uh, sadly seems to gravitate towards soap opera, uh, whether it be media entities or just what people like to talk about, how difficult is the balance to stay relevant when you want to, want, when you want to rely on the competition on the track, but there may be another element of society that gravitates towards the drama and the, and the other stuff? Yeah, I think it's a great question, um, and it's something that, that we look at. We want to do both, and I, and I don't mean be a soap opera. I mean we need to tell those off-track stories of, of who our drivers are, who our race teams are, what goes into the sport. Um, but then when they're tuning in on the weekend, we want to continue that storyline. We want to have a great product on the track. We want both of those to kind of marry up so that 
if there's interest in a specific driver or a specific team, um, make sure that we're delivering um, across all platforms. So we're able to tell the story, we're able to deliver that week in and week out on the racetrack and, and build that momentum throughout the season. So it's going to be important for us to do both um, in a smart way that relates to not only our existing fans but potential new fans. Um, and that's around the schedule, what you see on track, and then telling the stories um, that go on from you know Monday through Friday as well. All right. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for being with us today. Steve, any parting words? Uh, <laughs> we didn't practice this part. Uh, all I would say is, um, again, appreciate you all being here. Um, I think we're, as I said, we're going to have a great race, uh, ARCA race this afternoon. Um, the race this evening, uh, it just, you know, it's the culmination of um, what started back in February, um, and here we stand somehow. Somehow we're at our championship race, so we're excited about what that looks like. Oh, wow. Mood lighting. I'm not sure we're, we're going to start dancing or what <laughs> the club, bottle service, what's going on. Um, at any rate, so thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you for leaning against the, the lights. Um, but again, want to um, want to say thank you to uh, to each and every one of you for what you do for our sport. So thanks. All right, guys. With that being said, uh, from uh, Watkins Glen all the way over to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, West Coast, East Coast. Great, great season. Uh, looking forward to. Uh, Hey, for the 24 hours, the Snowball Derby next week, guys. It's, we're, we're, we're counting down the Snowball Derby. So uh, get ready. We're going to try to get as many drivers as we can in. Till race day.